begin by saying happy Resurrection Day to you. Or some of you may say happy Easter, but happy Resurrection Day to you. It is a joy to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. There's a tradition that exists in the church throughout history where, where one would say, Christ has risen, and the others would respond, He has risen indeed. So, so let's go ahead and try that. I'm going to trust that you're going you're gonna to do that back to me. So here we go. Uh, Christ has risen. Good. I'm trusting that you did that. I don't think you're going to lie to me on that one. Hopefully you are responding there. It is a joy to be able to do this. We're thankful for technology. This isn't exactly how we hoped we could worship together, but we are thankful that we can do it this way. So we're going to be in John chapter 20 today, the resurrection of Jesus, John chapter 20. And our hope is, my hope is that you've been uh, following through uh, Holy Week, that you've been uh, asking God to prepare your heart for uh, this Sunday for the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, hopefully you've been going through Holy Week and the devotionals with us or with others and asking God to teach you so much and reveal things to your heart and prepare your heart for uh, today. So we're going to be in John chapter 20, but before we do, let's go ahead and pray together. God of all grace, we are thankful for your love. We're thankful for your word and the testimony that it is to who you are and what you have done. God, we do ask that during this time, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, Lord. God, we ask that by your spirit, you would prepare and open hearts, minds, ears, of those listening, those who've never known Jesus, they would come to know Jesus. Those who know Jesus, that they would follow Jesus better, look more like Jesus after looking at this text together. Lord, bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, it is exciting to go through chapter 20, the first part of chapter 20 here. We're going to go from verses 1 through 18, Lord willing. So if you have your Bibles, open up there, John 20, 1 through 18. And um, again, what has happened so far? Jesus has died. He has died on the cross in our place for our sins. But before he died, John was showing us throughout that all of these things happening to Jesus on the cross through his trial, the crucifixion, they were to fulfill prophecy of old to show two things. One, that God is in control. This is all going according to plan. And that Jesus is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. Towards the end, Jesus drank the sour wine and said, it is finished. And we talked about that, what's finished? Well, the wrath of God, the full wrath of God has been poured out on the Son for us. That wrath fully poured out. That cup is empty. We talked about how Jesus also, in completing his task of coming to suffer and die, that part is finished. He has obeyed the Father perfectly. We said that he bowed his head and he gave of his spirit because nobody takes his life from him, but he gives it willingly. We saw then that Jesus' side was pierced, showing that he was dead. The water and the blood flow. We talked about the, the blood and the water representing the divinity and humanity of Jesus and how we, we need both. We need the perfect sacrifice for us. We need a human sacrifice, but one that is without spot or blemish. And that's Jesus. He's the God-man. He's the perfect Passover lamb. That's why none of his bones were broken. And we talked about Joseph of Arimathea and how he came and Nicodemus came and they were secretly following Jesus, but now they've stepped out. And that's an encouragement for us. It's never too late to start following Jesus faithfully. They take his body and they prepare his body and they lay him in this tomb that was close by. And it seems like they didn't quite finish, perhaps, the preparation. But this was the day of preparation. The Sabbath was coming, so they were limited on time. 
So let me read through the text, and then we'll work through it verse by verse. John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. Jesus has died on Friday. His sacrificial death in our place for our sins It is finished. They took him off the cross, started to get him prepared, but they laid him in the tomb. And now we have verse 1 of chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, this is going to be Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. The Sabbath would have been Saturday. That would have been the last day of the Jewish week. Now we have the first day of the week. And it's interesting, from this point forward, this is when Jesus' followers gather to worship him corporately. We see this all throughout the rest of the New Testament. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. This is the first time in in the Gospel of John that the stone is mentioned. But Mary goes, and and, and we know from other accounts that she doesn't go alone, and we also will see here in just a second that uh, there seems to be in verse 2 that it, it shows us that Uh, There were other ladies with her, but John is focusing in on Mary. Why is he doing that? Well, we're we're not sure exactly. But he's focusing in on Mary here. And she comes to the tomb, and it's still dark out. 
But as she gets there, she sees that the stone has been taken away. So what does she do? Verse 2. So she ran. Doesn't seem like she goes in and looks. But she ran to, and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid them. So that we, we don't know where, must mean that there was others with him, these other ladies, or with her, these other ladies rather. So what does she do? It's, it's dark, so she can't see well in there apparently because it's still dark, but she sees that the, the tomb is open, and so she runs to go get Peter, and, and the other disciple is John. Again, two of the, the three that are very close to Jesus, that inner circle, if you will. But what's interesting is I love the account of this because if, if you really were going to write something, especially at this time, you would not have mentioned Mary first. You wouldn't have even cared about that. You'd only mentioned the men because that's where the credibility was at the time. But again, this shows us how historically accurate this must be for them to include this part as well. Now, we know this is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but we, we notice that this is an argument for the authenticity of the Scriptures. Mary is brought up, brought out as with these other ladies, the ones who go to the tomb first. And they go, and they get Peter, and they get John. And they're saying they don't know where he's been laid. Verse 3, so Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. They're going immediately to find out what's going on. They've been sitting since the crucifixion, not knowing what to make of anything because they haven't understood that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They haven't gotten that yet because they haven't seen the resurrected Lord. They do not have the Holy Spirit, so they haven't understood these things. Verse 4, both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, this is interesting. I love how uh, John is the author of this, and that's John who's talking about that. So I don't know if this is a shot at Peter. He's just saying, just a reminder throughout all of history, Peter, I'm faster than you. Probably not what it is. Just, again, an accurate account of what happens. But notice what happens when he does arrive. Verse 5, John arrives. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Why? Maybe he was shocked, surprised surprised or maybe he's just waiting for Peter who's kind of this first among equals Peter seems to always have this place even when, he, when he's mentioned with the other ones Peter's mentioned a lot first verse 6 then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb Peter gets there and what does Peter do Peter doesn't care he goes straight in that's Peter we've seen that throughout this is also the first mention of Peter since his denial, but he's still with the disciples. And when he hears something about the Lord, he's gone, and he's diving right in. That is Peter. So he went into the tomb, and he, he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Here's the thing. We know, again, that this was not that people went in and stole his body because you wouldn't have unwrapped the body to do that anyway. You wouldn't have taken off those linens. You wouldn't have certainly taken off his head covering and folded it up nicely and put it there. The reason it was like that is it's because Jesus came out of them and folded up nicely like that seems to have this, this meaning of it's not going to be needed any longer. Jesus has come through. Now, there's, there's debate on how this happened. How could they kind of still be over where Jesus was, maybe wrapped up or laid. Some, some, some traditions say that it was outlined in Jesus' body. We don't know that from the text itself. But what we do know is they seem to be there. If you, if you compare this to Lazarus' account, when Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus, he comes out and he's all wrapped up and everything, like a mummy. 
With Jesus, that doesn't happen. And, and the question is why? Well, it seems like in his resurrected body, he's able to actually do some incredible things that we're going to be able to do when we get our resurrected or glorified bodies. Later, there's an account where he goes to the disciples, and he actually, they're in a locked room, and he actually seems to go through a wall to get to them. Now, what does that look like exactly? I don't know, but that would probably be the same way that he went through those, those linens. Came through those, folded up, placed it nicely, very intentionally, stating those aren't going to be needed any longer. And so when they get there, that's what Peter sees. That's what John sees. So in verse 8, then the other disciple, meaning John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. He goes in after Peter, and he saw, and look at this, he believed. He believed in the resurrection of the Lord at that point. Now, he doesn't shout it out at this point. Verse 9 tells us, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So it's not like he went, oh, all the Old Testament's been fulfilled right now in Jesus' resurrection. He's not linking that because he doesn't have the spirit revealing that to him yet. But there's something about the way it was set up that Jesus was laid there and then the, the linens are there, the, the face cloth is there. And there's no other explanation because remember, the Jews had gone to Pilate before and they had said, we need to seal this tomb and we need to have Roman guards to make sure nobody can move this guy. Nobody can steal this guy. His disciples can't steal them and say, look, he's risen. And the disciples obviously didn't do it because they're running to the tomb to see where he's at. And John believes but not yet in connection with the Scriptures. That's why John, I think, goes into such great de detail throughout the Gospel of John to show us the connection of the Old Testament to the promised Messiah, to Jesus. So verse 10 says, Then the disciples went back to their homes. So they go back. Now the, the story shifts a little back to Mary. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. So either she didn't go right away or she went back with them and then she comes again. Again, distraught over where the Lord is. Here's Mary. She stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She didn't look at first completely. Now she's looking again. When she looks, look at verse 12. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. She looks in and she sees these two angels. But she doesn't mention them. She doesn't seem to do anything about that right now. Here's what John says. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Now, this isn't truly a question. This is a bit of a rebuke, actually. A bit of a rebuke. She, sh she shouldn't be weeping. She should be rejoicing that the Lord is resurrected, but she doesn't understand that. It's possible that John didn't even share what he believes now. So she doesn't understand that. And we're going to see why we, we, if we follow along. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. See, she's not thinking about the resurrection. They've laid Jesus somewhere. They've stolen his body. She's more upset about the body being stolen of her Lord. This isn't about him dying or that he's resurrected. She can't find him. They've taken the body. She was going probably with the spices with the other women to, to finish up what was uh, they couldn't, what uh, Nicodemus and jo Joseph couldn't finish. And he's not there, and she's wanting to mourn, and he's not there. So the angels ask her, she responds. Now look what happens. Verse 14. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. This happens multiple times after his resurrection where at sometimes it says that, that people's eyes are kind of blinded to it. That they, they're, they're, they're not allowed to recognize him. Other times it's like he takes a, a bit of a different form or somehow they're not recognizing him. So there's, there's instances where you're not allowed to see him. Other instances where he's just different. 
But what's really interesting here, we don't know why she doesn't recognize him in this case. It could be that she was mourning too much, crying too much, too too focused on the body's not there. Too many tears in her eyes. Too much focusing on other things instead of on the Lord so she couldn't see the Lord when he was in front of her. Brothers and sisters, sometimes that's you. Sometimes you're so focused on sadness and emotion and other things that you are not able to see your Lord in the midst of it. And he's right there with you. It could also be that she's too focused on the situation around. Again, his body's gone. She's paying attention to everything else, and he's right next to her, and her focus is where it should not be. Sometimes it's our emotion that's clouding our judgment or our vision to see our Lord. Sometimes it's that we're focusing on everything around. Brother or sister in Christ, sometimes this is you. Sometimes this is us right now with this virus, right now with things going on. We focus too much on everything else and we don't see our Lord right in front of us. But by God's grace, he knows how to reach us, but we need to listen. Look what's next. Jesus said to her, verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, now that wouldn't be that wouldn't be strange. A gardener would have come early morning to take care of the tombs. That's not strange. But she's just assuming he's something that he's not. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, verse 16, and I love this. Watch this now. He says one word. Mary. He says her name. And it's in hearing her name from her Jesus that snaps her out of it. This is reminiscent of John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Listen to what it says in John chapter 10, starting in verse 3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In this passage in John chapter 10, it talks about Jesus being the good shepherd and that we are his sheep. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Over and over, he talks about how his sheep hear his voice. He speaks, says her name, and she hears his voice. When she hears his voice, listen to what happens. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. That was a, an honorable way of, me- of talking about someone. That's your teacher, the one you follow, the one that you learn from. She, she could have said other things. Lord, Master, Messiah, something. Something she didn't understand yet. She wasn't worried about being perfectly accurate. She was talking about the one who has taught her so much. And she says, teacher. This is a beautiful picture. This is showing us that our Jesus knows how to get through to us. Brothers and sisters, we've got to work hard to not let emotion and the things around us, especially at this time of year, it's a good reminder for us to focus, for us to pause, for us to look 
to our teacher, our Savior, our Lord, our God. So many times we start looking other places and we're worrying and we're focusing on the wrong things. We need to get in the word of God and allow his spirit to teach us from the teacher. We need to, as sheep, listen for the shepherd's voice. And as the shepherd speaks to us, we will calm down. If you've ever seen shepherds and sheep, they can they can speak and they'll listen and they can be all excited and that he can speak or whistle or do something and they will start to calm down. But you have to listen to the shepherd's voice. We have to be in his word, listening to what he says. Jesus said to her, verse 17, do not cling to me. Apparently she's dropped down, maybe grabbing his, grabbing his feet. So thankful that he's alive, holding on to him. Do not cling to me, for I have not ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. There's work to do. Yes, it's good that she's excited and she's worshiping Jesus, but he's going soon, and so there's work to do. Part of her work is to go and tell the disciples what needs to happen. Look what he says. Go and tell them, I'm going to my father and your father. So there's a bit of a distance. There's a special relationship between the son and the father. But it's also our father. Those who believe in Christ are adopted into God's family. Notice what he said just before that. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father, your father, my God, your God. So there's a little bit of a distinction between Jesus' relationship and with God and ours. But yet he's also making connection. Both is happening. But notice he says brothers. He's not said that before. Disciples, yes. Friends, yes. Brothers, no. Not till he's died on the cross and rose. Why? Because his death in our place for our sins and the resurrection is how we're justified before God and believing in him, we're adopted into God's family. And now Jesus is our big brother and God is our father. Go to my brothers or the brothers and sisters. Go to the disciples and talk and tell them I'm going. He's still going to complete his task. Yes, he's completed his task. It is finished when it comes to the suffering and death. But now he needs to ascend to the father. But first he's going to spend a little more time with them. Mary Magdalene, verse 18, went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Brothers and sisters, this is an exciting passage. It's an interesting passage where we see John and Mary and Peter, and they go and they see the Lord, or they see the empty tomb first, and then Mary gets to see the Lord and what I think that we can take away from this on this Resurrection Sunday is that, again, this is still going according to plan. But there are times that we do not see our Lord. The sorrow is too great in our lives. There's too much other stuff going on, other things that we're worrying about. We're not listening to the shepherd's voice. Or we may even understand some things like John does. And say, oh, he must be resurrected. But we're not understanding it according to the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, we need the word of God and for his spirit to use it to strengthen us so we can see our beautiful Savior. So we can see his beautiful resurrection and find great joy in the resurrection. 
The cross was a terrible day and a great day. But if it's just a cross, if it's just a guy dying on a cross, even one who's claimed to be the king of the Jews, if it ends there, then we're to be pitied the most among all people. Because it's the resurrection to where we're justified. It's the resurrection where God says, yes, that sacrifice was sufficient. It's because of this empty tomb that we rejoice. If he was still there, we would have nothing to rejoice about. Every other leader from every other religion that's ever existed, guess what? You can find where they are. Not Jesus, because he's at the right hand of the Father. Brothers and sisters, let us, like Mary, as he speaks to us and says our name, as he says your name, look to him. And yes, grab a hold and worship him, but also realize there's work to do. Even though he's ascended, now he's also said, I'm coming back and there's work to do. Brothers and sisters, let's continue to get the work done. What does that mean? Let's continue to glorify him with our lives. Let's continue to love and serve one another. Let's love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And let's love our neighbor as ourselves. If this virus has done anything, if the Lord has done anything, which he's doing millions of things that we can't see, but one thing that this has shown us is helping us refocus, like Mary, refocus back on loving God with everything that we have and loving people. Brothers and sisters, our God is in control. And all you have to do is look to a bloody cross and an empty tomb and see that it's going according to plan. Happy Resurrection Day. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the cross and we thank you for the empty tomb. Lord, help us to focus on you Help us to not be over, overcome with emotion of fear, of anger, of being unsure. And Lord, help us to not look around at everything else that's going on or cling to the things of this world too much. Remind us that we are brothers adopted into your kingdom by your grace. And thus, we need to be focused on what our Father says. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this resurrection day. In Jesus' name, amen.